Welcome to the A-Fire Podcast. Things fall apart. The center cannot hold. That was written in 1918 by William Butler Yeats as part of his poem, The Second Coming, during the great influenza pandemic. And his words are once again apt in the summer of COVID-19. Governments, economies, and regular people are struggling to hold things together as the assumptions and structures they relied on just six months ago are falling apart. Amid the pandemic, systemic inequity and injustice are now in high relief and can no longer be ignored or put aside, especially as those less fortunate endure the worst impacts of this crisis. The Black Lives Matter protests in the U.S., provoked in part by yet another incident of police brutality, has been a wake-up call characterized by strong language, painful stories, and uncomfortable truths. Everyone now is paying attention. Difficult and sensitive conversations across the membership of AFIRE have returned again and again to the need for better understanding of this complicated issue. There is no easy way to talk about it. True emotional maturity, patience, and humility are required. The problems addressed by the protesters calls for much more than another corporate diversity initiative. They ask for meaningful change, while emphatic and supportive people everywhere ask, what can we do? It is a very difficult question to answer. When problems are this big, the first instinct is to avoid them, which is completely understandable, but not wise. Fortunately, leaders in real estate are accustomed to large, complicated, and uncertain problems that can take many years of trial, error, and humility to solve. No one has all the answers. No one is without flaws in their thinking, and no one succeeds without listening and learning. Real estate has asked this question many times before. Is it possible to support a more sustainable, equitable, and profitable future for everyone? Yes, it is. But first, some uncomfortable truths have to be faced. Racism is a very real and pernicious aspect of the U.S. and other countries around the world. They are both conscious and unconscious obstacles to equity and inclusion built into institutional environments, practices, and policy. Everything and everyone no matter their politics, level of success, skin color, social status, struggles with some level of unconscious bias and fear. This is a deep-rooted problem that will take a significant amount of time, listening, reflection, and methodical work by individuals and institutions to solve. On this point, it's inspiring to consider the words of playwright Bertolt Brecht. Because things are the way they are, things will not stay the way they are. All levels of government and society need to learn and acknowledge how current practices stand in the way of true equity. Real estate has to do so as well. Intentionally or not, our industry has played a part in systemic racism. Most egregiously and rightfully criticized by many, there are outlier examples in the present day of commercial property owners intentionally excluding minority tenants. And though institutional real estate is usually more careful and informed, no organization is without bias. 
but it may be less obvious. The diversity of employees and leaders within real estate firms has been an issue focused on by many organizations for some time now, but there is a long way to go before the industry truly reflects the diversity of the overall population. Meanwhile, the real estate lending and development industry has quietly supported the same tenets of inequality that led to precisely the exclusivity and lack of diversity they otherwise denounce. Lending practices described by sociologist John McKnight in the 1960s as redlining, official or not, continue to deny minorities the same access to mortgages for homes even today. Inequitable development practices ranging from the construction of transit corridors to gentrified displacement of urban minority populations can reinforce racial barriers even when they are not intended to do so. Racial deed restrictions and covenants were common practices well into the second half of the 20th century. Today, the U.S. is becoming more diverse, but slowly, and too many neighborhoods are still segregated. In the early 1900s, the term melting pot was popularized to describe the powerful fusion of cultures, ethnicities, and origins of the U.S. population. Where people live and work today is keeping that melting pot from happening the way it should. These and other practices are part of a status quo that real estate needs to understand, acknowledge, and ultimately change. Most institutional investors do not wish to exclude or divide anyone, especially as they invest pension money and the savings of ordinary people from around the world and have an implicit duty to invest for that diverse constituency. They have a particular fiduciary imperative to invest for the long term and therefore to understand, acknowledge, and act in a way that supports a more stable and just environment for the long-term success of investments and the users of real estate. After a historically long economic recovery following the great financial crisis, investors have complained of a limited amount of attractive investment opportunities. Of course, though, most prefer to focus on real estate that has financially secure and established tenancy in the best neighborhoods and usually define these properties as core investments. Due to a lack of racial equity, most of the non-white users of real estate end up in non-core buildings. Implicit in a core investment strategy is the idea that underdeveloped neighborhoods are not as attractive financially. Some investors, however, have already discovered that this is not necessarily true. The former basketball star turned real estate investor Irving Magic Johnson found outstanding returns in areas that have been historically overlooked. According to Johnson, when you think about African-Americans now, over $1 trillion in spending power, and Latinos over $1 trillion in spending power, and moving even higher, there was nobody really building businesses and going after that disposable income. Seeing the same hidden value, there are a few that are focused on investing in overlooked communities, including real estate developers and investor groups such as Direct Investment Development, Avanath Capital Management, Abode Communities, many others. They are attracting institutional capital to their community real estate approaches, valuing communities that have been overlooked. It can be done. It should be done. And it is in the best interests of institutional capital to get it done. Institutional investors are particularly well equipped to examine practices and lead change. 
Over the last 20 years, this industry began to face one of the most complicated and existential threats to the social, economic, and environmental order, global climate change. Real estate became a significant leader with new sustainability practices, ESG investment metrics, and strategies. Unimaginable changes in the way the world constructs and manages buildings have become standard because institutional capital decided that changes had to be made. Of course, achieving true sustainability is something that will take a significant number of years to accomplish. Real estate is still early in the process, but as a group, institutional investors have examined the problem, acknowledged their part in it, and have begun to act towards a sustainable future, even as other industries have struggled to keep up. The same thing can be done with equity, inclusion, and diversity. This is hard. This is uncomfortable. This is big and complex. But it is an essential issue to address. There is an opportunity for our industry to lead if we listen, honestly face the problem, and act with humility. On this point, American writer and civil rights thought leader James Baldwin said it best. Not everything that is faced can be changed, but nothing can be changed until it is faced. This podcast is produced by AFIRE, the Association for International Real Estate Investors focused on commercial property in the United States. AFIRE is not engaged in providing tax, accounting, or legal advice through this podcast. None of the content is to be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell any asset. Some information included in this podcast may have been obtained from third-party sources considered to be reliable, though AFIRE is not responsible for guaranteeing the accuracy of third-party information. The opinions expressed in this podcast are those of its respective contributors and sources and do not necessarily reflect those of AFIRE. This is Gunnar Branson from the A-Fire podcast. Thank you for listening.